This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to MK1 Podcast, a podcast of myself, Ross and Joe talk everything Milton Keynes Dons. Well, gents, um, interesting week. Obviously, a lot of news outside of the Dons and inside the Dons, um, but overall, really positive one. Uh, so, Ross, I'm sure you're feeling pretty happy with how the week's gone so far. Well, yeah, it makes a, the week go a lot better once uh, we win a game, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, definitely. Especially in the manner that we did. It was a pretty impressive performance for the most part. And uh, Joe, I'm sure you're feeling the same as me and Ross. Yeah, just yeah, it's always just makes it breaks the week up quite nicely, and uh, you know, less than half of the week to go, and uh, just floating along to the weekend. Yeah, a big game at the weekend as well, which will uh, well, I, I previewed with um, Luke already from the Tigers blah blah podcast, which you'll hear later on. Um, but of course, a lot of news to uh, hear about before that. And um, first up, probably the biggest news of the week actually in terms of the general EFL and League One and League Two in the uh, salary cap being scrapped um, after the PFA made a claim for breach and that was upheld. Um, so this this means quite a lot for some clubs, especially in League One, especially at the top end of the table, like the Sunderlands and the Portsmouth, for example. Uh, it means clubs can go back to spending up to 60% of their turnover on a player-related expenditure. And more importantly for us, maybe also, is the under-21 players are actually exempt from that. Um, so, of course, a lot of talents we've been signing recently have been of a younger age, uh, Matt O'Reilly is a key example here. Um, so him being exempt of that whole bubble is uh, interesting and um, should benefit off that. Um, but as it's quite an important topic, we thought we'd get your thoughts on it all. And thank you everyone for your responses, first of all. We've got a range of answers, which is nice. Um, so we'll start reading off some of those. Uh, first of all, uh, Jamie Dodge uh, on Twitter said, he thought it was a bit annoying. Uh, so he believed lost out on some players due to the budget cap. Uh, maybe ingoings and outgoings from that perspective. Um, but, you know, he's quite happy he's got onwards and upwards from here due to all the money made off certain players. Uh, Bailey underscore MKD um, mentioned about how... I didn't know if it helped the Dons initially. Um, and he mentioned the example of Scott Fraser and budget cap. But um, I believe that 
there's many other factors going into that phrase deal other than just that. Um, but it's a, it's a valid point to make, and I'm sure we'll interest in Don's fans on that. Uh, Mark underscore LO4 talks about how it's quite a good thing for us, and that seems to be quite an overall theme of telling how positive it is for the club. Um, as you know, we can pay our you know more, more important players in the squad, you know, more wages to try and keep the championship sharps from getting at them, and uh, hopefully keep them here. And um, Harry's on 87 kind of echoed that. Um, and finally, Adjoe MK spoke about how, you know, with the massive reduction in wages and a point that I actually really liked, it didn't work like that. It was, it was more like a cleanse of the whole squad in terms of we got the wage all right down so we can, you know, reinvest into the squad but now massively. Uh, there's no real restrictions on that. And uh, hopefully we can push on from this. And yeah, so... Overall, really positive, and I feel um, that is it was good news. It was quite shocking news, I felt, um, or some people saw it coming, um, but overall, really happy. So I'll pass it over to uh, you, gents, now for your thoughts. Um, Ross, what were your sort of immediate reaction to the whole salary cap news of it being scrapped? Yeah, it's, it's a strange one, for sure. Um, I didn't really know how to take it. I think it's a bit... Um, I wouldn't say clueless. It's just strange on how they've done and um, worked around all of this. But I feel like Russ and Co really have realised how much we've been overspending on the current squad um, prior to this season. Um, first team players sitting on the bench, and we've cut down on that. And I, I personally, I feel the salary cap was brought in place to prevent situations like what happened at Bury, in the sense of their chairman overspending. Uh, each transfer window and then turning the club into the ground effectively. But when it comes to us, overall, I feel like we've benefited from the situation when it comes to like contracts um, and signings in the summer. I feel like um, now we've cut back the uh, deadwood, if you want to say, if you want to class it as that. I feel like we can, if Fraser is looking elsewhere, I feel like we could offer him that extra £500 or extra grand a week that extra bit or keep Sermon longer in the squad. I feel like we can compete with others a lot more in League One now. And I don't feel like it's affected us long term. I can only see positives out of this. Um, and let's just hope going forward it doesn't affect us too much. Yeah, I feel it's a good point actually to talk about how we've lost... Well, you mentioned dead wood. I think also the fact that there's some players in the squad here who are earning quite a significant chunk of wage and maybe not getting the plays I'm justified that. But I believe they're on aspiring contracts. So we spoke about at the end of the January window review how we were getting rid of non-expiring um, dead money also, as well as letting that go at the end of the summer. So it's going to be interesting to see, of all that, Free up, freed up wage and freed up money essentially from what we're doing in January. How that's sort of distributed, whether that is in the window or other stuff. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. I think it is really positive overall. And um, of course, there is some little concerns about it, but I'm sure the recruitment team are working or ad or adapting to the news. And um, Joe, what were your thoughts on the salary cap news overall? And do you think it's a positive or do you think it's more of a negative? Yeah, well, I think the salary cap was brought in to help make clubs a bit more sustainable. And I think the way they did it was just bonkers, to be honest. I think putting a hard cap of a set, I think it was two and a half million 
um, for the clubs, and that includes basically everything, like your bonuses, appearance fees, etc. Um, I feel that you know you got teams like Burton or Ackridge and Stanley, and their their limit is the same as a Sunderland or Portsmouth, like you mentioned. And I, I just think that's the wrong way to go about it. I think uh, I think maybe if it comes back in in the future, I do think it would be a good thing, but maybe more a percentage based on income or attendances, that sort of thing. Um, and I think with, with initially, I think that the the salary cap coming in has kind of helped us more just to refocus and, you know, sort of, we've, we've not really had a transfer strategy before. A lot of the time, you know, with Tisdale and Nielsen, it was almost as if we were just signing some of their old mates and ex-players and things of that nature. And it seems like we've actually had to really think about it, really try and be clever. And, you know, I think we're, we're all, you know, absolutely chuffed with some of the transfer business that we've done thus far. And I think moving forward, we're, you know, if there is a limit anymore, we've always been one of the biggest spenders in, in terms of wage wages in, um, in League One. We always seem to be in like the top eight, top 10. And a lot of the time we've vastly underperformed you know, like uh, being in the relegation zone with Tisto on a, you know, a, a top half budget, you, you know, it wasn't great. But I feel that, you know, with with the extra revenue streams that the club's got, with um, you, you've got the snooker, you've got the darts in the arena, um, hopefully some gigs in the uh, concerts in the summer. And so I think that, you know, we as a club, we've always done quite well money-wise. And we've spent a fair bit, even though the club does lose money, they have spent a fair amount. And I think that, you know, in terms of um, compared to other clubs, I think we we are one of the ones that would benefit from the cap being lifted because, you know, we we, we, we do have more spending power than, you know, your Rochdale's, your Accrington's. So I think, yeah, initially it's good because it's helped us refocus and maybe just cut, tr- trim the fat from the squad. But going forward, you know, not having a limit, I think we can grow uh we can grow a bit more uh, without it. Yeah, definitely. I think if anything, it only enhances the model that the club were actually mentioned trying to build and plan around. And, you know, with, with all the dealings we have been doing, it can only enhance us. And, you know, we were anyway quite a financially secure club and this has only furthered that, in my opinion. So, yeah, I mean, overall, a bit scary at the start, but I think once you had a bit of time to think about it and um, yeah, overall really positive and hopefully we can push on from this even further than we have done already. Um, so that was a few hours before the uh, game on uh, Tuesday night against Rochdale and of course that went really well. A uh, 4-1 win, uh, arguably one of our more impressive performances of the season, especially the second half. Uh, really impressive. Um, but before we get into our sort of analysis on that, um, just wanted to congratulate Lano on his 1,000th game as a kit manager or working in professional football in general. Um, and of course, he's raising money um, for Bath Mind in memory of Chris Barker, who worked for Cardiff City. Um, and it'd be great if you could donate whatever you can. Um, as a podcast, we've already donated, as well as many of people have done already. And uh, he's more than surpassed his target of what he set. Um, so I'm sure he'd appreciate it if you could. Um, donate anything you can but if you can't don't worry um, just I'm sure a message of congratulations or thanks would be more than appreciative to him um, if you can then we'll leave the donation link in the podcast description and um, be sure to visit that and at least read the story and try and understand what he's raising money about so Ross I'll pass it over to you um, what were your sort of 
immediate thoughts after the form win over Rochdale? Well, what a performance away from home. Certainly lived up to our build-up from the last episode of the pod. Felt, felt we controlled the game in the first half, well, the majority of the half. Felt Jules and especially Laird really menacing down the wings. And it came to the goal, um, O'Reilly, with probably one of the most effortless strikes you'll see, curling it it into the bottom uh, left-hand side of the goal. And it just shows how much quality we actually have amongst this squad. And I know we were speaking about it um, prior to to the recording, about the quality we've uh, actually had in January and recruited. And I feel like it just shows in this sort of game. But um, I felt... The reason why we conceded was obviously due to a lapse of concentration, mainly from Louis, not um, realising that everyone everyone wasn't ready to receive the ball or whatever. And it cost us going into half-time. But the less said, the better, I guess. But um, I, I felt um, going into the second half, I felt it was going to be an edgy game, but it wasn't. It, we just completely dominated. Russ rallied up the boys. And, um, yeah, it was just class. It could have easily been six or seven. Um, but we'll save them goals for later on in the season, I guess. But, um, yeah, we reduce them to zero shots on target. Another thing which Russ has done, I know against AFC Wimbledon, we've done the exact same. And uh, we just kept the ball with, I think we had 75% possession in the second half. And it just showed the dominance, as I said, we like we had. I feel like it was one of the best second halves in my eyes um, of the season under Russ Martin. Um, but, the most important point I wanted to touch upon was the. Um, I, I think us three as fans have been ru- big, the biggest Russ Martin backers um, since he came in, and I feel like that fourth goal just really showed what he has brought to his club. And if you ever need evidence why he is the man, you just have to watch that goal. So it was simply delightful. Um, I'm sure you guys will agree. Yeah, it was the definition of total football, wasn't it? Pretty much. Um, I mean, if we're if saying that every week, uh, it's hard not to just smile about it and really appreciate it. Um, but yeah, that, that zero shots in the second half for Rochdale, that's, that was really key for me because obviously in the first half, they had plenty of chances. Obviously, the conditions were a lot worse in the first half than they were in the second in terms of the snow, you know, blowing in the players' faces. And then the defence were clearly struggling, especially with our style of play. Um, and... It, it led to their goal in many senses. Um, but yeah, overall, controlled the game, as you said. Um, well, apart from that one, that's just concentration from Louis and uh, some dodgy officiating, as per usual, with League One. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's not really too much to complain about. I'm sure we'll dive into some individuals after we've heard uh, Joe's general thoughts on the game. So, Joe, how do you feel it went? Yeah, I thought we came out and we got the goal. I thought was absolutely brilliant. Amazing work from Laird. Just a real class setback from Grigg and just, yeah, like Ross said, an absolutely effortless finish from uh, O'Reilly as well, where it was going, but just couldn't get anywhere near it. Um, and and then we were just cruising. We were just keeping control of possession. Um, they didn't have anything. And then, yeah, it was just a couple of mistakes. I think there was a moment where Fish got, like, uh, Fish was dallying on the ball and then they intercepted. And then, yeah, Lewington just takes a free kick to O'Reilly, who's, you know, surrounded by three um, like Rochdale players, so I can't really blame O'Reilly for that. But at this point, Fraser was still down um, as well. And it was just just silly, just cheap. And it, it, we've said it far too much this season. And and then, you know, going into half-time, I was like, yeah, here we go again. But 
wow, second half. They, they, as soon like, first, as soon as we started that second half, within five minutes, I was like, yeah, we. I, I don't think we've got anything to worry about here. The the press, the intensity. You know, a lot of the time, Grig or Jerome wouldn't win the ball, but because they're pressuring the defender, the defender would play it into midfield, and the midfielder would have three players around him, or the midfield, or the defender makes an awful pass, and we win the throw. And you know, things like that. It's just forcing the opposition into mistakes, winning the ball high up the pitch. And well, I think we saw with the Fraser goal, he picks it up in midfield after some great pressure. You know, great pressure from a couple of. Um, couple of our guys and just runs through and I don't think he ever wanted was going to be passing that one but did he um, but I think that it, it's just absolutely brilliant just to see again the that it would have been easy to just turn this game into a slog but they came out and they just it was so intense and the effort was there for all to see because yeah we know we've got some real quality individuals but if you're not working hard I know it's it's quite an old school thing to say, but if you're not working harder than the other team, then you probably don't really have a chance. Um, and I, I just want to give a little shout out to um, Sermon. I thought he was he was brilliant. He barely broke into a jog, yet he was probably he he, he controlled that game. I thought um, he, he 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 was defensively. He just it was almost as if he didn't need to sprint anywhere because he just knew and anticipated where the ball was going to be. He was always there if Darling. Um, Lewington or O'Hara wanted to play it out. He was just rotating the ball, and he he was the one that actually split. Uh, he he pretty much started off the move for the fourth goal by switching it out to the left hand side, um, where where the space was because the overload had been created. He had two men drawn to him, and he just switches the play, and all of a sudden we're away. And it's just that intelligence, and he he, he uses class. He may not have the pace, but he doesn't need it if he's, you know, if his because of his intelligence and his football know-how. And also Fraser, I think um, in the past sort of six weeks, Fraser, he's, he's been a bit quiet, but I think he's been doing a lot more defensive work. And I think we have looked a better team for it. But I think uh, last night was just a reminder, uh, he has still got an absolute wand of a left foot. And uh, I'm sure we'll see a few more of them before the end of the season. Yeah, the old Scottish wizard, wizard uh, mentioned about his frustration of goals, not or lack of goals, at least I say sorry. So past few weeks, so I'm sure I'm getting one. It was a nice feeling, and hopefully he can get or go on a run now and score some more goals. Um, you touched on Sirs quite a bit, so we'll probably move on from him. But we'll start with Ethan Laird because um, obviously he came a bit under fire last episode from us a lot. Um, I see Joe rubbing his hands. <laughs> um, From you yeah. too, I think you mean. Yeah, well, more so, yeah, I guess so. Um, but, you know, the, the question was ever him attacking wise, it was a defensive work. Um, and I thought defensively, uh, defensively, he was okay. I thought he did all right on last night. Um, you know, if we look to the stats, he had um, nine out of 15 ground duels won. And of course, he won his own, his own aerial duel. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it might be a different story if he had Bar for the whole 90 minutes. I'm not sure why he didn't play. Um, it was a very strange decision for me. I was I was fully expecting him to play against Ethan and be a good matchup. Um, but you can only beat a, what's in front of you, quite frankly. And credit where credit's due for Ethan. Uh, he had a good game, quite frankly, and deserved to get in that team of the week, for the midweek at least, anyway. Um, Ross, you were kind of joining me in your thoughts regarding Laird and his defensive sort of ability, um, especially against Sunderland. Uh, did Tudor do anything to change your mind on him? No, I don't feel like um, 
it's proved a point as such. I've never doubted, as you say, Liam, him attacking going forward because we know what he can be. But defensively, we get hurt against the B teams, and I don't, I don't want to blame him for it. But we we are left um, short on numbers down that down that right hand side when we do play against um, teams who like to press and play on a counter attack and are explosive as such on their counter attack. I know um, oh this weekend. We struggled at Stadium MK to uh, deal with their counter-attack. So it'll be interesting to see how actually Laird deals with... Um, I can't remember who plays out wide for Hull now, but it'll, it'll come back to me. Um, yeah, and I'll, it'll be a real test for Laird, and um, it'll, it'll be a battle which um, I'm sure he'll relish. Interesting, because, I mean, I, I was the most vocal in terms of saying Laird. I wasn't very impressed with him, quite frankly, in Sunderland. Obviously, McGeady is a very good footballer and um, one of the best in the league, quite frankly. Um, so, yeah, I, th- I think you're right. I think his test last night, or Tuesday night, um, wasn't the greatest. Um, as I mentioned, Barr really should have started. And if he had a start, I reckon we may have seen a different game from Laird in general. Um, but I, I see what you're saying, but I feel that you've got to give him a bit of credit for what he did last night. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not... I'm not um discrediting his performance because of as I said to you guys I feel I felt like him him or Jules um I know it's quite uh, arguable um anyone could have one man of the match but led yeah in that first half he was man, man of the match easy but it's a, it's a case of once we get against better opposition I feel like we will get punished well can I just add one thing I I, I find it a bit I was looking at a game just I just random game from earlier in the season and I looked at the average positions of our players and our two wing backs and it was Regan Paul and I believe it was Daniel Harvey I think it was the Lincoln at home game and they were other than the two strikers they were the furthest men up the pitch now it's obviously not a not just an individual thing because at the end of the day Regan Paul was a defender and you know, and he's been played as centre back. It's obviously a system thing, and he's been told that his main job isn't to defend. So I think a lot. I think we. I think it's I, obviously we do need to, you know, highlight their defensive work. But I do not think that that is the main thing that they should be judged on. And I think that overall playing that position, we've said before, it's not really right wing back. It's more of a right mid or right wing because at times Stephen Laird was our furthest player forward. And if you look at the, where he actually touched the ball, I don't actually remember him touching the ball in our own half. And I think it, in terms of recovery pace, you know, I, I mentioned about um, when we played uh, Accrington Stanley and they were just putting balls in for fun from that side uh, and, you know, where Regan Paul should have been. And I think that Laird, Laird, that's what Laird, what Laird has on Regan Paul is the recovery pace. And I, I feel that maybe we, we mentioned maybe it's more the central, central midfielder's role on the right to cover rather than the the uh, right mid or right wing backs role. So I think um, maybe you know we, we we moan that perhaps sometimes you know Laird isn't tracking back, but ha- perhaps Russ doesn't actually want them to track back. Just I, I don't know. It's just a, just a thought I'm putting out there. Yeah, I mean it's a fair argument, and um, yeah, I mean ultimately if if someone like Sirs is going to be back there, then yeah, you could say that his role. Well, well, I don't know, it was Louis Thompson as well. His Their roles is to do that. Um, but 
Yeah, I mean, as Ross said, you know, going up against Lewis Potter on Saturday, more than likely, um, is going to be an interesting test for him. As hopefully, uh, Hull are a bit more smart than Martin and Rochdale were in terms of actually playing their better players on the pitch um, and not putting them on as impact subs, which when the game is already lost, it's a bit of a silly decision for that for me. Um, we'll move on to ever wing back in Zach Jules. Obviously, we saw an extra 10 minutes from him than we did uh, the previous Saturday. Um, and of course, he got his debut goal. He should have had it a little bit earlier in the game if the officials uh, didn't rob him of it. Um, but Joe, I know you were a bit underwhelmed by his, depends how good defensively he is, you're a bit underwhelmed by his crossing ability last night. So I'll let you elaborate on that. Yeah, I think there's no doubt he's an absolute unit. And I thought, you know, nothing really went past him down that side. He was a good defender. However, I feel, I, I felt at half time, I actually said I'd like to see Harvey because I, in my view, Rochdale there to be got at. And we, in the end, we did see that in the second half. You know, we, we just attacked them and they ultimately, they, they, they didn't crumble, but we just had the, the superior quality. And I think that with Jules, again, it makes that left side solid, but do we need it? I, I, I personally think Harvey could have done a similar job. And I think with, with, with Jules's goal, great goal. Yeah, no denying it. But it only came because his cross didn't beat the first man and went out for a corner. Um so I just thought in general play, I thought that we, we weren't losing so much to anything, but I thought that, you know, we saw the difference when we had Sorinola and then we subbed on Harvey. I think it was a Peterborough at home game. And all of a sudden, you know, Harvey was getting in behind and because I thought Laird was absolutely electric um, on Tuesday. And I thought Harvey could have been that exact same thing on the left-hand side. But yeah, Jules, he played really well. And, but maybe Russ wants that different sort of balance from uh, each of the wing-backs, which is completely fair enough. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think we've got too much to worry about defensively down that left side with Louis and Jules. It's there. <laughs> good luck. Um, but, you know, I, I think I think he had a good game. I think he had a good game and it's a new position for him. So, yeah, fair play to the, fair play to the guy. Yeah, we, we spoke a lot about when it was, you know, um, Paul and Sorano about this yin yang approach, didn't we? How one attacking side, one defensive side. And I mean, by the looks of it, that's what Russ wants. Um, so if Russ wants it, he's definitely going to get it. Um, and luckily, we have the time where Jules can, you know, develop in this new role, if that is going to be his role going moving forward. Um, but yeah, I thought he did okay. Um, you know, you mentioned about the crosses, you know. Yeah, he had the three, didn't hit a single Don's player every time, which is a bit frustrating. But, you know, I mean, he definitely contributed to the game and that's what led him to being another feature in the team of the week, which is uh, obviously really nice to see. Um, Ross, what were your kind? Of, what were your thoughts on uh, Jules last night? Were you impressed? Um, and, yeah, what were your general thoughts? I was really impressed by him, considering it's his second start um, in the team. He didn't look out of place one bit in my eyes. I felt... Um, Considering he's obviously went up a league, some some people take time to adapt to the league. I don't feel like um, he did. I felt I felt like um, in my eyes, and as I said earlier, I, I feel like um, we surprised a few. But he was he was my man of the match. I feel um, he was he was him and Laird were really really good at using them flanks very well, and um, I believe. Defensively, he won five out of eight ground duels, which is more than good enough because Louis can take the other three. Um, 
going forward, I feel, I think he had three out of three successful attempts, um, dribbles, um, beating his man. Yeah, he lacks that delivery. But we saw that with Harvey early on in the season. And I guess game time and consistency will only improve that. And um, I felt overall, Jules, yeah, you, you have to be there to score it at the end of the day. And Joe can say, oh, he he didn't he didn't cross the ball well well enough and it went to a corner but you have to be there in the box to uh, put him away at the end of the day but um, that's that's another skill in the game if you want to say but um, yeah overall I felt Jules um, Jules and Harvey as left wing back options it's going to be very interesting going forward yeah definitely um, it's interesting when I put Matty Solano doesn't it you you'd assume that he goes to right wing back now as to back up to Laird. Um, I mean, that's the only race he can really fit, right? I don't see him being the third choice left wing back anytime soon. Um, so that'll be interesting to see how that develops. Of course, Ethan's kind of got that spot nailed down now. Um, so yeah, he's going to struggle for game time, I think, if this continues. One player will leave it on um, the debut guy or second debut guy, Will Grigg. Um, of course, two assists on the night. Um, I mean, he was brilliant, weren't he, really? Of course, didn't get his goal. Probably should have with that chance he had. So an off target, where it's basically an open goal. Um, but we'll let him off. Tough conditions. I think the uh, the free key passes um, and of course the two assists that came from that, um, as well as the aerial draws that he won, um, will we'll make up for that definitely. And I think everyone's really pleased to see him back on the pitch for us. And he definitely made his mark. And uh, Jar, I'm sure you agree that his second debut for the Dons was a definitely a really impactful one. Yeah, and I think one thing that Russ said after the game was it—it it was just it just summed up perfectly for me. He's clever. He's he's such a clever player, and you could I think you could see that in both of his um, in, in his both of his assists. I think, well, first of all, I thought he pressed abs- absolutely him and Jerome. I felt sorry for them Rochdale defenders because absolutely anything that they touched was they were just being absolutely charged down by those two. So um, I'm sure that they'll be waking up in the middle of the night with nightmares of those uh, <laughs> them running. Them. But anyway, I think that just the, the two it was just class. It was just that extra bit of quality which we spoke about maybe six weeks ago. Just saying, you look, we're getting it to these areas, but we're just not having maybe the quality to actually produce a good for it. And you know, you look at the first one; it comes from Led, a new a new recruit, dribbling past about I don't know four players running it to the byline cutting it back and you know Greg could get a really nice ball out out um, to, 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 to just outside the box and then O'Reilly curls it in and and those three players are all new and they're all have that extra bit of quality which maybe we didn't have six weeks ago and then for the second one you know it's just 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 again it's it's the intelligence of you know he's been playing with he's been training with Fraser for what a week and they played like they played two or three one-twos together and they just knew where each other was going to be. And then the presence of mind to, you know, it was a really tight angle, but I, I guarantee you probably at least half of the strikers in the division probably would have tried to shoot from there. But he's got that presence of mind to just look up and see, actually, if I slide this across, you know, if Cameron Jerome, he's going to score that, let's be honest. And, it, and I think... You know, that, that's I don't know what more I can say. He's just so clever and the goals will come. And we mentioned um, on the last pod that when he played in the 4-2-3-1 under Carl Robinson, a lot of his play was link-up play. 
and you know making runs and being unselfish leading from the front and I think that you know in this formation that we play in the system we play I think yeah it, you could see so many of those attributes and how much he can still contribute and so yeah I'm really just looking forward to see what the next few uh, weeks come uh, weeks bring yeah, I mean, Joe mentioned like Ross about that's having that experience of Jerome and Grigor up front. It was things like the Rochdale commentator said it was like 250 goals between them in their career, which is crazy, really. Um, how, what's your thoughts on, you know, Jerome and Grigor's partnership and what you saw last night and having that experience um, going forward, not only for this season, but just in general up front between the two of them? I think the experience speaks for itself um, in the sense of, Will Grigg, he knows he doesn't need to score goals to prove that he's a good player. Um, felt yesterday, um, he's off the ball, as Joe said, his press, his work rate, the link-up with Laird and bringing others into play was the main thing. I feel like that's what's going get, to get this squad going. I feel like if we can bring Fraser, um, O'Reilly in the final third, I feel like the quality will just overpower any defence in this league because I feel like when you've got someone with the likes of uh, Fraser and your O'Reilly's, who's, who may I say, most Twitter accounts last night were tweeting about. Um, but yeah, it, it just shows the, the quality we actually have. Um, I said it earlier, we have in the squad. And going back onto the Grig and Jerome topic, I um, saw glimpses of their link up, but it's not a case of them two needing to link up. We can, as I say, bring others into play and. I feel going forward, um, as Joe said, the, the goals will come because of he hasn't lost it at the end of the day. And I did doubt it for some reason, but um, let's just uh, let's hope it, um, he proves me wrong again. And I'll, as I say, I'm, I'm I don't mind being proven wrong because of we're winning at the end of the day. And I just want to add how. How bloody good were Mason and Brown when they came on? You know, they Mason and they were such they were such a handful, and you know they they weren't content with just they they wanted to score themselves, and I think both of them looked really dangerous. So Russ has got a hell of a headache on his hands. Yeah, Charlie Brown looks to be developing so quickly. Every single game seems to be a different side to him, and it, it's very impressive. Actually, I'm I'm very impressed by him. So I'm I'm hopeful that he gets more of a chance towards the end of the season. Uh, but he just course... reminds me of Patrick Bamford. <laughs> I don't <laughs> well, know, he's just course, so yeah. graceful, left-footed, and I think just movement. He just seems like such a clever player. Yeah, definitely. Um, one, I'll end this foot on Greg. Do you feel obviously Greg has got, as mentioned, so many goals over his career? Do you think bringing him in to play alongside Jerome maybe takes a bit more of the opposition's eyes away from the likes of Fraser? who obviously has been pinpointed a lot by teams in terms of his creative ability. And of course, we've, whenever we go into opposition, probably always talk about him being a creative hub. Do you think, you know, now Griggs starting to play football for us, does that maybe give Fraser a bit of a break in terms of being able to show his creative side a bit more? Or do you think that it's still very much the same of Fraser being a, the targeted man? I think, well, you know, if they don't, if, if they man-mark Fraser... Then that means leaves a man spare for O'Reilly. If they man mark both of them, then no one's marking Laird. You know, I feel that at this point now we've got so many players of individual quality that can produce that something out of nothing. And we were speaking, you know, six months, six weeks ago, two months ago, of we we want people to take a risk. We want, you know, people like Ben, like we were talking about people like Ben Gladwin, who 
you know, at this moment in time, you'd say, where does he fit in? And But we were caught crying out for a character like him because we were having all this possession in great areas and we were like, you know, I wish someone would take a shot. I wish someone would have an early cross. I wish someone would beat a man. Um, but now I feel like these additions have really just, you know, it was Fraser on his own and everything went through Fraser. But now we've got other options. So I feel like, that if, if all of a sudden Fraser's shut down, all right, we'll just play it on the right with O'Reilly and Laird. Yeah, I mean, Ross, are you fairly on the same lines with Joe in terms of having an overload of options, kind of? Does not really matter about Fraser anymore, what V-Man marks anymore? Oh, it, it does matter about Fraser. It's just we can't play down <laughs> it. Um, he's but, a uh, player, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, he isn't, Joe, he isn't. <laughs> um, yeah, the... The, the main thing is, like, I think Toby Lott um, tweeted it um, earlier today. He had one goal. It's his first goal in nine games. But that doesn't show that he's on a bad run of form. He's just becoming more of a team player in my eyes. And as Joe says, it allows other, others to come into the game and have an impact. And his work yeah. off the ball has been fantastic, I think. Yeah. You wouldn't say anything else you're ready from the Scottish Wizards. Wizards so, uh, yeah. Okay, so before we, um, before, before I go and add our chat in with Luke from the Otago's Blah Blah podcast, um, future gents aren't joining me. Um, I'll get your quick predictions for the whole City game on Saturday. Um, Ross, I'll start with you. How do you think uh, maybe we'll set up and how do you think the score-wise it's going to go against Hull? I know Hull are on a rough patch, patch of form recently. I feel... Um, they're, they're still a quality side with the likes of um, Honeyman and all these. You could name the whole squad. But, um, yeah, I feel like going into this game, the, for, the form's with us. I, I do feel we can hurt them. I feel like it's going to be a very tight game. I feel like one goal will separate it. And I can't decide which it, which team will nick that one goal. I, I want to say Dons, but it's the hope which kills you at the end of the day, isn't it? Yeah, it can be sometimes, especially against these top tier teams in the <laughs> league. Um, but yeah, hopefully it'll be one of Don's for sure. Um, Joe, what are your thoughts heading into Saturday? Yeah, it's really interesting game. Um, I, I just just got a co- couple of quick numbers. I'd just like to add in that I was just doing just when I was doing some research for the game. And I think it just shows how good Hull's start was and how bad ours was, just in terms of where we actually are in the league. In the last twenty games, they've only got one point more than us. In the last 15, we're level. And in the last 10 and the last five, we've got more points than Hull. Yet we're separated by about 12 places in the league, which I think just shows you sort of everything you need to know about where maybe we should, not where we should be, but just how crucial that that start of the season was for us. Um, I, I was just look, having a look at their home form. They've actually got the third best home form in the league. Um, however, in the 13 games that they've had at home, there's actually only been 22 goals. They've scored 15 and conceded seven. So to me, that just shows that there's either there's teams that are going to Hull and just shutting up shop, or Hull are just you know they they're quite they just you know they're, they're just trying to keep it nice and tight, and and that's genu- generally how the games go with less than two goals a game on average at, at the um, at their at their um, ground. So I, I, I think um, Ross is bang on when he says about it's going to be a low scorer. I've gone for one off because I think we're on a good run. I don't think we're... I think, it, actually, if you look back at our home game, I think we had double the amount of shots in the boxes then. 
but where it actually mattered was they they had I think it was Josh Emmanuel who I thought was absolutely immense their right back and I think he he just picked out a few quality crosses and really it did trouble our defence that day and I feel like we've really improved in that aspect in terms of stopping early crosses and I think I think um, if Jules is playing I think. Jules and Emmanuel will be a really good uh, matchup and some, uh, something to keep an eye on, and especially with Wilkes down that side. I think Jules will 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 get the nod. So I'm going for one 0 but I think it will be close, just as it was at Stadium MK, even if the scoreline ne- didn't necessarily reflect that. Yeah, yeah. One of my one of my scores or my score is uh, the same as one of your guys. So um, I'm sure you. Well, we'll talk to them in Luke later, but um, yeah, I I certainly agree that it'll be a close game, um, and well, it could easily sway with one of the teams. But I'm sure the insight we get from Luke will be very informative as to letting us know more about Hull. From we haven't played him in a while, so a lot of things have changed. Uh, actually, new recruits for them as well, which some of them are recognisable to us. Um, so yeah, that's it for part one, um, the Rochdale review, and then of course to talk about the salary cap. Uh, we're back shortly for part two, which is look ahead to Hull City on Saturday. This podcast is a proud member of the FanHub 100. Football without fans is nothing, so we've partnered with FanHub to put fans first. Search FanHub app to play your part in the journey. So hopefully after reviewing a positive performance against Rochdale midweek, we'll look ahead to Saturday and taking on a familiar boat in Hull City, who certainly gave us a, a good hide in last time in Vegas in November. And to give us a bit more analysis into Hull City, we've brought on Luke from the Tigers Blah podcast. So Luke, how are you doing? Yeah, not so bad. Uh, I don't know if it was a spanking according to your manager. Apparently you did uh, you control large possessions of the game. So that's tiresome to uh, to remember, but then again, it's from the most the uh, away managers' league book uh, form book, isn't it? As soon as you get outplayed, you say, "Well, we controlled the game." But uh, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's not particularly good being a whole fan currently losing to Burton. But uh, never mind. Yeah, that's a pretty difficult force, wasn't it? Oh, uh, how late the goal was as well. Uh, yeah, terrible. Can't be, can't be too pleasing. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously, it's been a long time since uh, we both played each other. So mm. obviously, you mentioned the Burton game, but give us a brief breakdown of how how we played since that game and where you are in terms of the league and ambitions, etc. Um, so when we played you, that was we was really informed, to be honest. Yeah, uh, we went, we played like Ipswich near there and, and won away as well. Um, didn't play particularly well against Doncaster at the start of December. Um, still came away with a win, which looks like a even better result. The way that the more that they kind of creep up the table with all the games in hand they've got, um, and yeah, we, we just before Christmas we hit a bit of a patch of form, which was really disappointing. Did score a goal in about three games, lost to Shrewsbury, lost to Blackpool, lost to Plym- uh, Portsmouth at home. That was the last game before Christmas for us, and then we had a. Covid cancellation over Christmas, so I think first game back was Charlton, and we've done a lot better since then. But we we really have not done well. Last couple of away games, um, lost to Accrington, um, and obviously McCann was a bit salty about changing rooms and that sort of thing. I, I don't know if you saw it last week, um, but yeah, it was. I mean, I, I think Accrington had a lot of games postponed um, due to Covid earlier in the season. They've still got a lot to catch up on, but. And, and small grounds like that, and what you expect, really. 
Um, I don't think it made people look upon Hull as any more favours. But um, obviously, out of the Papa John's trophy, we call, it the pa- we call it the Papa John's mega pizza trophy on our podcast, <laughs> me and Rich. It just seems to be more and more ridiculous as it goes on. But I'm glad we're out of that. And that isn't just because we lost. I mean, it was 1-1. It was on penalties. Worst penalties you've ever seen, really. Um, just awful pitch as well. And that's what was worrying for tomorrow. So obviously, we played Burton away. Didn't deserve anything in the game. No shots on target. Um, lost Richie Smallwood to injury now. And we've got Alfie Jones that we've lost in midfield. And we sold Dan Batty to Fleetwood for some reason. Um, so <laughs> we've got, yeah, worrying, worrying um, for Lincoln tomorrow we play if it goes ahead because it's snowing like out up here. So I'm, I'm, I wasn't hopeful with that pitch anyway from last week. But um, the fans, the City fans will tell you that we deserve to win that league because we've got the best squad. Um, whole whole Twitter is something else. It really is. Um, they Every time we win, the HMS piss the league memes come out. And every time we lose, it's McCann out and he's the worst manager ever. Um, it's probably the same for each club because obviously they only follow one club. But yeah. um, it really does seem to be quite toxic at times. Um, I went on Twitter for about 10 seconds, I think, on sat- on Saturday night and then just logged off. And I was like, I'm not dealing with this. <laughs> I'm going to end up getting involved in an argument with somebody that I really don't need. Um, but me and, me and Rich had a good chat. And basically, we've just said, look, biggest game of the season, Lincoln on Tuesday. And then, obviously, when we play you guys, um, it's going to be, a, I think it'll be a tricky opponent, to be fair. Um, the only weak link that you had last time, I remember, was Richard Keogh, So Yeah, and he's a <laughs> shit off Huddersfield, so. <laughs> <laughs> so it might be a little bit better. But, yeah, I think we, we, need, to, we need to get promoted out of the league. Um, yeah. But current, current form would suggest that we'd be, be lucky to get playoffs, really. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, when we were speaking on the pod and we were really impressed with Hull when we last played them, and we mm. do, I think the consensus is that they're one of the better teams in the league, and I think the position shows that. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, there's no shame to losing teams at Accrington. I think every majority of teams have lost to Accrington away. I think it's just one of those away, gate, away days that you struggle to uh, mm. get a result at. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, <laughs> being on the opposite end of it, you know, you're still third in the league and only off the mm. automatics on like goal difference or something. Yeah, so, Doncaster's played uh, game, three games less, I think, and I think their oh, okay. goal, goal difference is, is slightly better by one or two. Pretty much an immaculate, like, or exactly the same record as them. And we play them very soon after you. Oh, okay, well. interesting. So it's going to be a big, it's a big couple of weeks. Yeah, Lincoln, definitely. You yeah. guys, and then I think we've got, um, uh, yeah, I think it's Doncaster and then Ipswich. Oof. So they come thick and fast. It's Tuesday, Saturday all the time. You'll know that. Yeah, definitely. And uh, I suppose with all those key pictures coming up, you need to do well in a giant transfer window, right? And uh, mm. I just wanted to get your quick thoughts on that. Obviously, you brought quite a few players in. Um, how do you feel January went in terms of incomings and outgoings? Um, I think it, I think we had a, a decent window. Um, there are a couple of things that baffled me. Um, we still have Regan Slater on loan from Sheffield United. And for the life of me, I, I can't see what brings the team. I mean, every single player that plays for City, I want him to do well. But every time I've seen him play, he's, I don't know if he's been playing in the wrong position, whether he just hasn't got a run of games to make himself known. I don't know what it is, but we got rid of Dan Batty to Fleetwood. He got run of the match in the first performance in the nil-nil at the weekend. Um, from centre midfield and that's what we currently need because we've just had two injuries to two central midfielders so it seems quite short-sighted on McCann's part with that we brought in Gavin White 
from Cardiff, who looks very good, and Dan Crowley from Birmingham. How we managed to get him, I have no idea. But the, yeah, pro- the problem, the, it really is. But the problem is, he's trying to play Crowley as kind of this free role. And when when we play against teams now, teams are very obvious to the fact that they go right. Well, they play four three three and try to play it through the thirds, play in the middle. And they're trying to they're, they're, they're squeeze the midfield, so Crowley's having to drop for the ball all the time. And we've actually become a worse team with Crowley in it, ironically, even though he's the best player that we've got by miles. Um, maybe aside from Lewis Potter on his day, but he's dropping for the ball because he's starved a bit. And I think if teams flood the midfield, which I would expect you go 3-5-2 from what I saw last yeah. time. Yeah. Um, three four three three does often work against that. It depends how, how you're playing it, but we often overloaded down the sides and um, I think you went up the other end and made it 1-1 quite quickly so it was a pretty end-to-end first half um, but oh, I really don't know I mean we needed another striker um, Tom Eves was injured and he's injured for a long time and Josh McGuinness had Covid over Christmas and he's, he's recovering but he still wasn't the player he was so I think it was I think they did try and bring someone in but I think it was quite difficult you, especially at League One level the the strikers that you need, one chance, one goal. You think of someone like Johnson, Clark Harris, for example, and that's probably it. You know, I mean, even like... Yeah, I mean, White, we played White on Saturday and, you know, uh, he had his one chance to score, but he still missed a few and he should have a hat-trick, mm, really. So, uh, yeah, he's, he's out and cold as well. I mean, one his day is great, isn't he? But I just think that great strikers in League One, a few and far between, I, I don't really see that many of them. Even Lincoln, they don't re- the strikers are prolific. They get goals from kind of all over the place. Um, and it's usually a one-niller. I, saw, I know they beat um, Gillingham 3-0, but they don't often concede many and they usually nick the odd goal. Um, and that's how they've managed to do it. They, they, they're really well disciplined. They're the best team I've seen at KC um, last week. So obviously we play them tomorrow. But when we're talking about the, the MK fixture, I think that the transfer window was good in some respects, but I really do think that it was short-sighted letting Dan Batty go. Um, and not getting a striker in. I think that's what we needed. Just freshen it up a bit, but it is what it is, I suppose. You can't do what about it now. Yeah, definitely not. You've got the players that you have now on the end of the season, so uh, we'll it, see. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm. One player I want to touch on quickly, I know you haven't seen too much of him just yet, um, mm. but a player we were linked to was Jordan Flores. Um, mm. I think he's played the one league game and one um, Papa John's game. Yeah. Um, have you? Is it too early to gauge any thoughts on him, or do you have any thoughts on yeah. Jordan so far? Yeah, it's too early. Um, no. I mean, covering games for Vavil like I do, I, I go to I go to the stadium to cover it. Um, so I'm in the privileged position where I can actually see a player in in the flesh. You know, like, like walking around. And sometimes when you've got the zoomed in camera angles that you have an eye follow, it's pretty difficult to gauge yeah, a midfielder because they'll just agree miss with out that one. <laughs> miss, miss out the midfield and just follow the ball, doesn't it? But yeah. Um, I was looking forward to seeing him and he's not really played an awful lot and I thought it was tailor-made for him to come on um, when Smallwood got injured away at Burton I thought Flores had come on and show what he's got but he brought Regan Slater on <laughs> again off and nothing um, I don't think because League of Ireland finished I, I don't think he's completely up to full fitness yet and that's probably okay. what McCann would say um, he's shown some good touches on the ball and he certainly loves a tackle I'll tell you that um, he was only on the pitch for about two minutes and he was already wiping somebody out um, I think it was in the Swindon game. He came and just crashed into somebody. Cynical challenge when we were one 0 up towards the end. So he loves a tackle. Um, looks all right on the ball, but again, there's nothing really I can tell you about him just yet. I'd love to have seen him come on, like I say, but he didn't even didn't even come on on Saturday. Um, I think he may play against you guys though. 
I think he'll get some minutes against Lincoln and I think he might start him because I think he might be up to fitness then. So it might be an interesting battle. Yeah, a few of our fans are quite keen on him actually when he was in Ireland. Um, so it'd be mm. interesting to see if he does play and what he looks like, things like that. Uh, yeah, you mentioned a few key players to, to look out for, but a player that I wanted to get your thoughts on in particular because we didn't see him in the reverse fixture was Jacob Greaves. Um, of course, he's kind mm. of been playing all along the back line, uh, like right back, centre back, etc. Mm. But how key has he been for you for that whole side uh, since coming in? Um, particularly when he first came in, he was crucial to us. Um, I th- his form has dipped a little bit. Um, he's a young lad, he's 19, 20, I think. Hometown boy and his dad played for, for City before us as well in, in the 90s um, and early 2000s. So it's a great story. He's, he's, he's very calm on the ball. He loves a 40-yard ping. Um, we do love to, to play it out from the back and swing it out over to either Elder or Emmanuel or Coyle on either wing because obviously the, the, the full-backs kind of push up so high and that's where the 4-3-3 can really kind of get you forward, if you like, where you know the, the, it's just the out ball. So if they're high-pressed, they just ping it out. Um, and he's definitely got a pass on him. The one thing he needs to, to work on is his height makes him a big threat from corners but he hasn't scored yet he's had so many chances they could have taken um, and obviously he's, he's, he's a rookie and he's, he's new yeah. um, his positioning is very good um, he's, he's been great next to Reese Burke I think him and Burke are our best defensive partners um, obviously we've got rid of device on loan to QPR he would have been the one that he thought oh, he'll, he'll be the starter every single week but he really wasn't in form um, I mean, aside from that, you've got maybe McLaughlin. Um, Alfie Jones can play there, but he's injured. So I think him and um, him and Reese Burke have become the starting starting pair that they're not going to mess with. Really, he's, he's commanding in the air. He's strong. Um, he's, he's 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 really impressed me. Obviously, he's not going to have a brilliant game every week because he's he's not nineteen twenty, but um, he's certainly much much better choice than. Than device and you'd have thought it'd be the other way around because he's so experienced and played in Holland and everything else, but he really wasn't doing it. So fair play to McCann for giving him the the chance. And yeah, he's he's, he's won a lot of people over. And almost also you get one more mistake allowance with him as well because he's from okay. Holland. Yeah, but people <laughs> won't get on his back as easily. Um, so if, if if we did have fans in, it'd be they wouldn't boo him as easily as they boo somebody else because he's one of our own. Um, yeah, that's, so, that's, yeah, that's how it goes sometimes, isn't it? With younger players, especially academy players as well. We have yeah. quite a few here, so yeah, I get what yeah. you mean. Um, of course, as you mentioned, you've got the midweek games coming up before our game, so mm. I won't get you to pick an exact start in 11. Um, mm. But are you expecting Hull to you know, adopt their typical 4 3 3? Who do you reckon will be some players who you know, are, are guaranteed to start the game, maybe like the Greaves or, or the um, other players like that? It is a it is a tough one because we like I said we have so many fixtures and we've come off the yeah. back of two kind of poor results where yeah we drew against Lincoln in the cup but lost doesn't really matter but the Burton game was a disgrace really um, it was not good so I I think the the MK game will be the one where he gives uh, more players opportunity to fight for the shirt I think he'll go with his massively strongest eleven possible against Lincoln because it is a must win really in the top two battle. And I think he'll probably give, uh, he'll probably play Flores. I think by then he may even play Max Clark um, because we've re signed him after three years of being away in Holland. We re signed him on a short term deal, give Elder a rest. Callum Elder has no real competition um, with Brandon Fleming currently injured. I think he'll play Josh Emmanuel as well. Um, 
and I, I think it may be, may even depend how the result go um, tomorrow, but he may go with, with Ingram in goal rather than Long. I think both of them are as good as each other. I think they're both decent goalkeepers, but um, a lot of the fans prefer Ingram um, because he really tried to make the shirt his own. And, and the way he's dropped, I, I just thought, thought it was a bit odd. I think he'll definitely go with Crowley, Lewis Potter, and he will probably go with Wilkes, even though he kind of mentioned in his pre-match presser that Wilkes is having some personal problems. That's why he's not been playing brilliantly. Um, I'm not really sure what he's doing with that. I can't, I'm not really a fan of... If, if a player's not 100%, don't play him. Don't yeah, come exactly. making excuses. And I don't even think that that was anything that, that Wilkes knew about that he was going to say that. I felt quite sorry for the lad, really. And I think when McCann then tried to kind of backpedal afterwards, I think he thought, crap, I shouldn't have really said that. Um, so I think he might go with McGuinness instead of Wilkes. So it might be McGuinness up front with Lewis Potter and Crowley either side. I think Crowley's very good on the wide, um, on the wings, even though he can play in the middle. I think he'll give Flores a chance and Honeyman um, and Doherty will be the others in midfield. They've been really good, Doherty and, and Honeyman this season. Doherty's in outstanding form currently. Um, I think Honeyman's got the most assists in the league as well in midfield. So yeah, they're very good. Um, yes, yeah, I think I don't think there'll be too many changes, but I think there will be maybe two or three. Um, give some other boys that may not have had a chance yet, like Flores and Clark, a chance against MK at home. Um, I think it's a, it's a game where we'd expect to have all of the ball, and you'd probably try and play on the break if you're playing with wing backs and um. Try and try and play when when we're caught high up in possession. I would have thought, but um, I'm not really sure. It depends, a lot's a lot's changed since we last played you, so I don't know if if your starting eleven is different to how it would have been then. Yeah, I mean, obviously, we, we think we had was it six incoming, six out going to January. Um, yeah. So instead of Richie Key, I have Harry Darling at centre back, who in three games had three man of the match performances. So. He's been really well for impressive. us then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, no, he's really impressive coming from Cambridge. Uh, it's not he's been there the whole season, basically. Um, right wing back got Ethan Laird now from United. He's been a bit shaky, but he's very energetic, likes to get forward. So I'm sure who's playing left back, um, we'll have fun with him. Um, and yeah, maybe we'll see Will Grigg, Will Grigg up front. Obviously, I haven't seen him just yet. He may play on mm, Tuesday night. It's an interesting one, that. It is an yeah, interesting one, Will Grigg. You'd have thought, I, I would have, I quite like him as a player. Yeah, I always thought it was funny that he got like chant of Dura 2016, but he never actually played a single minute. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think if anyone, we said it on the previous part, if anyone can get Grig firing, it would be Russell Martin and his coaching staff. Probably, tap, that's fair, yeah. Yeah, tap him and Jerome up top is very promising. Um, so mm. maybe depending on how Tuesday goes, you might see him up front or be Mason and Jerome um, but yeah I mean mm. I mean, of course Matty Riley as well coming in on a free um, he's been terrific he's been training with the club for six or seven months now um, and he's been really good and kind of been the perfect complement to Fraser um, mm. especially with Louis Thompson being out who is such a pivotal player to our system it's frustrating um, but yeah I'm guessing it'll be a different team to what you saw in November um, and hopefully we can make a bit more of a game out of it, to be honest, and uh, not be. Mm. Hopefully you're a bit less clinical up front because you were very, uh, very clinical up front last time with Wilkes, etc. Yeah, I think it was only four or five chances that we really had, and we took three of them, didn't we? So yeah, I mean that's, that's the sign of a good team, isn't it? Basically, if they can do that every game, so yeah, I, don't, I, I think it'll be a different kettle of fish this time. To be fair, yeah, um, fingers crossed. But yeah. <laughs> 
Okay, so we'll round off of our, well, I mean, prediction of sorts. Um, of course, you mm. don't know how midweek's going to go, um, but I'm assuming you're pretty confident heading into Saturday, uh, considering how the previous game went. But if you <laughs> want to get give us a score, how do you reckon Saturday will go? I actually think it'll be a score draw. Uh, we don't okay. draw many. We don't draw many games. Um, I think we're long overdue one. So <laughs> I think I think it'll be maybe a two-two. Um, I can see you guys scoring, but if as long as we have like you know, Crowley, Lewis Potter firing, I'd be confident of us scoring. I just think the way that teams are shutting us down currently is a little bit of a worry. So um, I wouldn't. I don't think it's going to be as as. Uh, I think a lot of people, City, Twitter, etc., think it's a game that we should be winning, but I don't think you can necessarily say you should be winning any game. I think that's a bit arrogant. Um, we tend to try to keep our feet on the ground a little bit. But, yeah. Um, yeah, I'd say score draw. Yeah, I think Sunderland were saying the same for both fixtures this season. They were taking four points off them. So, yeah, yeah we, we tend to like to play the big teams in the league. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I'm going to go 1-1. Um, I like to think we can get a result against any team. Uh, this league is so all over the place and wishy-washy that any team could be any team, um, as we saw with, you know, yourselves and Burton. So, yeah, absolutely. Um yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting. Obviously, Tuesday could have a real pivotal uh, change in what we think. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think for now, I think one, I'm pretty confident in the 1-1 score. Um, and yeah, I think if we can get Greg firing, hopefully he'll get a goal on Saturday and uh, we'll be chatting from our sofas and living rooms <laughs> <laughs> instead yeah. of the stands. Yeah, great stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah it's interesting that we've both gone for a score draw. Yeah, um, I kind of thought you'd say you wouldn't, you know, considering. Um, but as far as it, it depends, isn't it? If if you win on Tuesday night, then uh, maybe there'll be a hangover. Maybe. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe. It, well, it could go either way. I think if if we lose to Lincoln, you need to get 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 back up to the top as quickly as you can. And if we do get a good result against Lincoln, you want to kick on, don't you? But yeah, it's just the squad is quite stretched with injuries currently. So I'm not as confident as I would be if we had Smallwood and Jones in the middle. We we don't have that at the minute. Both of them are out, so. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Should be an interesting encounter. Yeah, definitely. And uh, thank you very much for coming on, Luke, uh, to no give us the opposition overview. If you want to plug anything, uh, feel free. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, if anyone is interested in the whole city um, side of things, where Tigers Blair launched, I think it was April, uh, we born out of the pandemic, and then we're actually the biggest followed city podcast at the minute now, um, since Amber, Amber Nectar was the, the famous whole city one previously. They stopped in 2019, so... Um, whether we're the biggest followed, I don't know if we're the biggest listened to, but um, certainly, you know, there's a lot of lot of good words that we've got from city fans, and there's other, there's other there is other city podcasts out there as well. So we've kind of started a regeneration of city podcasts. I think when we started, there wasn't any active, and now there's about five or six. So nice. yeah, it's, it's always good. Lots of content for our fans, but yeah, if you if fans are listening to Tigers Blair, we've had various ex players on, and um, that's kind of stuff over the pandemic so yeah check us out it's just that's why Tigers Blair on Twitter yeah check them out and of course you know if you want to have some match content for the game check out there I'm sure preview and review of the matches that will be coming up uh, very shortly as this comes out um, so yeah that sort of brings us to the end of episode of 33 MQ1 podcast if you could rate, review and subscribe that would be excellent and lastly come on you dons Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. 
Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.